Coming up on Unsound Advice. I think my confidence does have this big swing. Like if I'm on stage, I feel very confident. Um, And in my everyday life, sometimes I don't feel confident at all. My favorite piece of advice I've gotten on that is um, doing esteemable acts build Mm self-esteem. So it's like do what you feel like your highest self would be doing and kind of go through the actions until the confidence follows. Twice in the last month, I had to come pick her up from a guy's house drunk at 4.30 in the morning. Do I just assume he's not interested anymore? So I'm in my second marriage. My first one ended because my wife cheated on me and my second wife is starting to act in a similar way. Hey, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. Hey there. Um, I know you're a 12-step program person, so I was just wondering, how do you break up with a hairstylist? A bunch of my coworkers are really bad at their jobs. And I wanted to try, you know, bringing her back into my life. I'm just wondering if you had any guidance for me. Give me a strategy here. Where do I start? How do I even begin? And how do I stop eating cookies? Because I love cookies so much. Thanks a lot, Laura. You're the best. Welcome to Unsound Advice with Lara Bites. I'm Lara Bites. Today I'm speaking with Ron Funches, who I love. He's so fun. This was such a fun conversation. I always have such a blast with him. He shares how he got through his divorce and a separation while raising a child with autism. And I offered him my secret to finding confidence. We took some great calls. We took a call about handling people you don't like. This one sounded like it was recorded on a playground. So that was interesting. We took a call about purging clutter And we talked about how to go on a date that doesn't involve food. New episodes of Unsound Advice will be available every Tuesday morning at unsoundadvicepod.com and wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. We want you to be a part of the show. If you'd like some Unsound Advice, send an email or a voice memo to lara at unsoundadvicepod.com. And don't worry, we won't use your name unless you really want us to for some reason. Let's get into it. Hi, we have special guest Ron Funches here today. He's got his podcast, Getting Better Podcast, and you could watch Loot on Apple TV+. Plus. Thank you so much for joining us, Ron. Thank you, Laura. You have such a great voice for this. You're already killing it. Thank you so much. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm happy. Okay, great. Got over a little bit of a cold. I've been to Paris and Amsterdam in the last couple of weeks, uh, getting ready to go back to work on the show Loot that I'm on. And so I'm happy. The show Loot on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Cool. You know it and love it. I do. It's my favorite show. What was your favorite episode? Oh, you asshole. <laughs> you son of a gun. <laughs> Let's edit this out and then we'll do pickups on that later and we'll fix it and have it be good. How does that sound? <laughs> Welcome, Ron. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Laura. My favorite part right now, and I guess what's good to have video, is that I love your jacket, and I feel like I would wear your jacket, and you would wear my jacket, and they could both equally work. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that, and I feel the same way. Thank you. This would look great on you. I I feel like this would look better on you than that would look on me, Mm. Uh, but it means a lot to me that you think that I could pull that off. I think you could pull this jacket off. I would wear your hat in a heartbeat. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) (laughs) That hat would be on my head right now if I had my say, but but we play the hand we're dealt, you know? All right, cool. Um, Is there anything... 
that you want advice on from me? Is anything bothering you or giving you a hard time? Of course, always. Well, I knew you weren't problem free, but I didn't want to pry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we got always multiple things. I think um, a big thing that I, I had a tarot reading recently coming out of like getting separated with my wife and it, a lot of it was dealing with like a balance of confidence, the dealing with being um, how to not. Because I think my confidence does have this big swing. Like if I'm on stage, I feel very confident. Um, and sometimes when I'm acting, I feel very confident. But sometimes when I'm acting, I feel not confident at all. And then in my everyday life, sometimes I don't feel confident at all. And so I'm right now trying to find that balance of just being confident in me as a man without like work or anything else a part of it. So I started taking jujitsu also so that I can kill Joe Rogan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to snap his neck. (laughs) Well, it doesn't sound like you need advice on that. (laughs) Cause the advice that I usually like that has worked for me with building confidence is Like my favorite piece of advice I've gotten on that is um, doing esteemable acts, build Mm self-esteem. So it's like do what you feel like your highest self would be doing and kind of go through the actions until the confidence follows. So for me, a lot of times that means being of service, like helping someone out. That makes me feel good about myself. And then I feel like a good person and that builds my confidence. Yeah, I think you're right just in that. I feel like I'm just on the road of that where I like I'm doing those things of service that I enjoy. I'm getting more involved in charities, more involved in just like the, you know, play and stuff and just having a full life and just trying to be a good dad and enjoying both my sons, um, which is uh good and fun i guess that you can give me advice on the co-parenting how to do that do you you know anything about that i have no experience with that whatsoever nice yeah well i guess i shouldn't have asked <laughs> cut that out <laughs> <laughs> all right great well um are you ready to take a call Sure. From a person? I have no experience in that whatsoever. Well, I have no experience in that. I appreciate the honesty. I try to only give advice on things where I have some personal experience or some comparable experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have experience with co-parenting. Um, the you closest just experienced an anniver- sobriety anniversary, right? Yeah. How long? Nine years. Nine years? Yeah. Okay. Um what was it like the year before? The year before this year? The year before the nine years. The year, so the eighth year or the year before I quit? The year before you quit. Oh, man. It was exhausting. Wow. Verbal shudder. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes me a minute to like go back there. And then when I do, I feel it in my body. And I feel like my cold, tired bones. I was working part-time as a waitress. I was not making rent. I was living in a place where the shower didn't work. Like the water pressure was like a drinking fountain. Um, I was I was not okay with who I was. 
and um, I was blacking out and then doing things that were not okay, which made me feel less okay with who I was. And so I was drinking more to try to avoid those terrible feelings. And um, it was a really brutal cycle and I didn't see a way out. I could not imagine my life uh, continuing very much longer if I kept drinking and I couldn't imagine not drinking. And then um, I was living with my boyfriend at the time and he said, you've been drinking a lot more uh, lately and you've been a lot sadder lately. And my boss does a program that has helped him a lot. And he said that he would take you if you would be willing to go. Would you be willing to do that? And I didn't think it was going to work, but I wanted to prove to him that I could not stop drinking by trying to stop drinking um, again. And I mean, I had stopped, I had tried to quit drinking every year since I started drinking almost daily when I was 17. Uh, and I just couldn't, I could always quit. I just couldn't stay quit. Um, and I went, I went with this person and I haven't had a drink since then. Uh, Cause I tried, I did the stuff that they told me to do and it has worked for nine years. I love that story. Thank, thank you. you for being open to tell me. And it was fun to watch your face go through that journey oh, where thanks. you did. It was sad and you didn't want to be there. And then yeah. at the end, it was like, oh, there's the face I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for asking about it. And thanks for the congratulations. Of course. It's a big deal. Uh, let's hear from someone who's sadder than me. What's your biggest tip in terms of dealing with people you don't like? Because I'm not a fake person at all. So I feel like I wear all of my emotions on my sleeves and I feel like it's obvious when I don't like people. So how do you keep that undercover? How, how do you keep that under wraps? Well, you could tell by her tones that she, she, she wears her emotions on her sleeve. Sounds like she doesn't like us. Yeah. You tell, yeah. Okay. kind of did. <laughs> Oh, uh, you want me to go? Yeah, I do, because you're delightful and you just have this warmth that I've never seen you not have. And so I feel like you're especially qualified to give advice about this. Oh, thank you. I do have a piece of advice for it. Um, it's just what a, a little thing I call keep people at a distance that you can enjoy them. And that's what I do. Some people. They can be very close to me, like JP. I love JP. He can be as close as he wants to me. Some people, I got to like you from a different state. <laughs> but whatever distance that we can maintain that I can like you, that's what I want. Yeah. And that's what I will enjoy. And that's what, what I try to do. And so if you don't like somebody, that's fine. Yeah. Just try not to, if you have to interact with them, I think it's just about maintaining the level of respect that you want them to show you, you know? Yeah. And I try to be an energy mirror. I come at you assuming positive. Yeah. But if you want to go another place, I'm happy to adjust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. And um, this is one that has come up for me so much in my life. I mean, at my last, at my last day job, uh, they said, Laura, you need to have a better poker face mm -hmm. because it's very clear <laughs> when you don't like something or someone. And I mean, it's just come up for me throughout my life to the point that people I do like often think that I don't like them. And I don't know what I'm doing, but it's something about my tone of voice or my facial expressions or lack thereof that this has come up for me a ton. 
And something that has helped me is just accepting what you said, which is just not everyone is going to be my people. Not every group of people are my people or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and like black people, like black people. (laughs) This is our clip. Cut this out. I want this to be in the trailer for this podcast. I want this to be at the beginning of every episode. Um, yeah. And, and so by contrast, the people who are close to me are people who really like that specifically about me. Like my friend who was over yesterday was just like, you know, I was talking to so-and-so about you and we were just like, you never wonder where you stand with her. Mm -hmm. You always know exactly where you stand and they appreciate that about me. And so those are my people. And so I kind of would invite this listener to consider why does it matter if people you don't like know that you don't like them? Is it because you need them to like you? And if so, I would invite you to consider why you need someone you don't like mm-hmm. to like you. There's so many. That's beautiful. I like that. And there's so many options. And I also feel like if it's fully a coworker situation, like, Sometimes you just got to know who you are. And I, that was a big thing and reason why I needed to work freelance. It's because the same thing, it, it shows in my face if I don't respect you. Like, it, it just shows. I can't pretend that I respect someone that I don't. Yeah, I and see it right now in I your know. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, it actually determines what jobs I take. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, if I know I don't like that person, I'm not going to be able to sit and work with them for three months and pretend that I do. So I should just not take that job. Right. And so if you know who you are, like you said, I think you got to be like, well, it's okay with people who don't like me. That's fine. As long as I like me. And it goes back to, I think, the greatest piece of advice my mom ever gave me on my first day of school, which was there's going to be people who like you for who you are, no matter what. And there's going to be people who don't like you, no matter what you do. If the people who go with you know naturally go towards them, the people who do don't like, that don't like you, fuck them. And I was like, oh, I'm five. And you just said, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember this for life. Yeah. And yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I also, I find that I have to use my words like I'll use words of affirmation because even if you say those in a flat tone of voice people hear them like mm-hmm. you can say I really value and respect you I appreciate your gentleness mm-hmm. and even if you say it in a flat voice they know where they stand with you it's important to tell people I think we can also look for things to like about people to make it easier because if you know if this caller's concern is coming off like she doesn't like people have you tried liking them more you know (laughs) have you tried liking people because there's something good about everybody give it a shot give it a shot like somebody you might like liking somebody (laughs) all right great anything more on that one or should we move on to our next like a natural end yeah i feel that too hey laura I got a new job and turns out the my boss, my direct supervisor is an old family friend of my parents and they just they don't treat me professionally. They they treat me like I'm a kid. Um I don't I just I don't know how to communicate that they are 
they're not treating me respectfully. And I just wonder how I might, if you have any advice on how to set up professional boundaries with a person who knew me 20 years ago and, and we haven't really seen each other since. And it's just, uh, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with it and I just, I don't know what to do. Love the pod. Thanks. Uh, I hope to hear from you. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations on your new job. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you need a newer job. Could be. Could be. That's where you're going to go with your advice? I got a few places to go. Ooh. Um, I think that boundaries with employers are important. And my preferred way to ask for that is to use an I feel statement followed by a request for what I want. And I'll give an example of a time that I used that in a workplace. So I worked at a place in Chicago doing tech support, which I had no business doing and was frankly not very good at. <laughs> and um, man, did I try. I was really trying. Oh, I wasn't trying my best. I was given a good 30% though. You know, I was, I, I worked at that job. And um, one day I was trying to do something and I asked my supervisor a question and he kind of got a little snippy and he was like, do this. And then he threw in and it's not that hard. Mm. And everybody in the department heard there was an open, you know, an open floor plan and everybody heard it and it really hurt my feelings and embarrassed me. And so I stood up and I walked over to his desk and I was like, could I talk to you for a second? And he was like, you can talk to me right here. And I said, okay. Um, and I sat down and I said, when you talk to me like that, I feel worthless uh, because I was trying to know this. I was not trying to be stupid and unable to figure this out. Um, and so I would just ask that you not speak to me like that in the future. And he said, thank you so much for talking to me about it. Instead of going to HR, I will be mindful of that in the future. And he never talked to me like that again, which was so much more than I even hoped for. I just wanted to practice standing up for myself because that was really hard to do. I mean, my heart was pounding out of my chest. Um but I took the action of standing up for myself and I got a really good result from that. I like that. I think that's good advice for this situation that just use the I feel statements and tell them how the way that they treat you um, makes you feel, especially around your coworkers. Um, my secondary piece of advice, though, is to be careful what you wish for, because it sounds like you might have a better situation than some of the people who just worked there that they haven't known for 20 years. And if you want them to treat you like a regular employee instead of what sounds like more of like a family familiar way, you're going to get all the results of that as well, which might mean that they don't treat you as well. It might mean that they'd be more open to get rid of you. Um, so, you know, some of it's a positive. I get the idea of being like you want to be treated as a man standing on your own two feet and, and you got your job on your own but in this situation you might just have to look at your fellows in the face and go maybe you didn't maybe you got the job because he was a family friend and this is going to be the relationship you have with that and if you can't deal with that you might have to move on to another job or just accept the relationship that you that you have with maybe some more clear boundaries yeah and i think it's also always okay to be looking for another job Mm -hmm. And I think that that can really build confidence so that maybe 
the comments don't hit as deep. But if I'm working someplace and I find that like it's chipping away at my self-esteem, I got to get out of there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, it's not worth it. No. All right, great. I hope that helps. Let's do another one. Hi, Laura. I've been putting off purging things around my apartment. I have things in my closet I need to get rid of, my bathroom shelves, things are expired, my kitchen, just overall cleansing my place, getting rid of unnecessary things and just donating. But I can't bring myself to do it. I just can't find the motivation. What would you advise me to do? How do I get myself going to just getting things done? Does this one resonate with you? No. But I have one piece of practical advice, which would be to open one of the expired food items and just let it sit for a bit. And then that motivation should hit to clear it out. Wow, that's really interesting. I would think. I would never have offered that piece of advice. I think it's just practical. I wouldn't have thought that if I sat here for 10 years. Just open up some bad milk. Open up some bad milk. You know, that's almost never the answer. Sometimes it is. (laughs) But sometimes it is. Yeah. Yeah. Get some flies in your house. Yeah. You want a reason to clean, you'll give you a reason to clean. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I like that. Um, I have a couple additional things to offer if that's if that's not your speed. <laughs> um, I totally relate to like the expired bath products. Both of my parents, my dad was a hoarder, my mom is a hoarder. And so I learned some habits that I did not know were abnormal until I was an adult and my boyfriend was like, Oh, I see it in hey, your why face you now. Have, why do you have six empty things of kitty litter under your bathroom sink? Mm-hmm. And when someone asks me that, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I was planning to fill them up with water in case we run out, you know? And then I hear myself say the thing and I'm like, is that bad? Um, like one thing... <laughs> That I didn't realize I did, but then once I realized I did it, I remembered that my parents did it. And that's like, if there's like a drop of lotion or shampoo left in the bottle, keep it. Keep all of them. Have have 60 bottles. And then one day you've got yourself a new bottle of lotion. We don't need to do that no anymore. And so what I did was I hired a professional organizer who's actually a friend of mine. We just had our second session yesterday and it has been so worth spending that money mm-hmm. to have another person How who much knows what she's run? doing. Let's see for, for regular folks. Well, I'm getting a friend rate. Mm-hmm. So more than what I'm paying. I would expect to pay maybe 80 bucks an hour. Okay. That um, seems like a lot. I feel I feel like it's a very worthy investment for a few days to have a system put in place to have your whole space organized. No, I agree. With I that. mean the amount that we've accomplished in 2 days has been incredible and um just to take you through it a little bit if that's not in your budget. Uh we did a huge purge. She held up my clothes. Uh she insulted my things. And we got rid of a lot of stuff that I liked and thought was perfectly fine. Um, She disagreed and we fought. Uh, I have hated the process Mm. a lot. Every day that we've done it, um, I have hated it a lot. Um, She takes all my stuff out of the closet. She shits on all my stuff. I get real mad and I hate it. And I am watching the clock the entire time. 
And then so you a half pay eighty dollars an hour for someone to bully you in your taste. An hour. I don't pay eighty dollars an hour. I okay. pay a discounted rate to be bullied. To be bullied. Okay. Uh, and abused. And I no, she's very respectful, but I do hate it. And then a half an hour before we're done, she just like puts everything away, and my place looks amazing. And I woke up this morning and looked around and it just looked great because she just could see things that I couldn't see. Mm -hmm. For instance, she was like, why don't you own a dresser? You need a dresser. There's not room for your stuff in your closet. And that's why there are piles of stuff on the ground and you can't close or open your closet doors. Mm -hmm. So I got a dresser. Oh. I got a lot of my clothes in it now. And in my closet now I have like cube shelves that have other stuff on them. It looks so much better than I ever could have made it look. I think this is solid advice, then. Make the investment. Yeah. Organize it. You'll feel good. You'll feel better about yourself. Yeah. She also saw, like, my vertical space, which I hadn't considered. Uh-huh. Like, we FaceTimed before she ever came in. And I she... watched too much basketball, so we said she also saw my vertical. I thought you meant your leap. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> She saw my leap. It was garbage. (laughs) She brought a step stool for my house. She went and bought me a step stool and brought it over. And now I can get up to my high shelves. And um, I got shoe racks. And so my shoe racks are on my shelves that are way up high. Mm -hmm. When previously nothing was on my shelves that were way up high because I couldn't reach them. Isn't that silly? You weren't being able to utilize all your space. No, I wasn't using it. No, I like this. She sounds great. Yeah, she's great. You're ready to just keep moving on. We're just I just don't titties. know much about this one, and I don't want to be rude about it. No, your milk advice was great. I thought it was solid, yeah. but I never had hoarder tendencies, and so it never. I don't know how to be empathetic to it. Interesting. Well, if you came here to brag, then I guess... <laughs> I guess there it is. Oh, I'm not a hoarder. Oh, okay. I got other issues. (laughs) All right. What are they? No, we don't have to do that. (laughs) What's your deepest insecurity? No, we don't have to do that. I'm kidding. (laughs) But you did open your mouth. I was ready. Okay. What is it? Oh, my deepest insecurity is probably just that I'm like, I could worry about my sons, that I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to properly take care of my sons or that when I pass away that my sons, are, or especially my oldest, isn't going to be um, able to take care of himself. That's my biggest concern and my biggest worry and insecurity. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty heavy. That does make more sense to me of your advice to open a thing of expired milk and just get your shit together. Yeah, right? You know? Yeah, I I remove a lot of emotion. Yeah, Yeah. I remove a lot of emotion from that. It's like, we gotta gotta take care of these kids. I don't know what you want. (laughs) (laughs) Get rid of it. It's probably gross. Get rid of it. It's probably gross. Next caller, please. (laughs) (laughs) I was just wondering if you could give me some tips on how to become a comedian like you. It said like you. Me? It said like you. Well, you're a comedian like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she meant specifically a comedian like you. I think she meant a comedian like you are. Oh, okay. Um, start. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my advice. That would be my advice also. Go to an open mic or 
do tick I guess TikTok funny things you can do now. I feel like the advice would change so much that I can't even really give proper advice other than to start. Yeah, there are things that I didn't do where looking back. I think I could have benefited from them. Like I never took classes, Mm -hmm. but now that I see people who have taken classes, I'm like, wow, it would have been really helpful to have Mm -hmm. someone critique my writing, show me the basic structure of a joke. Although I was reading, I was reading about comedy when I started and watching a lot of comedy and even just going to open mics. I mean, men who have done comedy once give me advice now (laughs) on what to do. So it's really easy to get people to shape your set (laughs) when you're new. Yeah. I think just immersing yourself in comedy, both the um, comedians that you like, that you're interested in, and then using that as a foundation to learn more about history. I think that's one thing I think I see less and less of that. um, I wish more people were students of comedy that because it just will help you cut through a lot of redundancies and doing some of the same jokes that people did in the eighties and nineties and help you find your voice. If you at least can see a little bit of a through way of things. Um, and then I think the one piece of advice that I wish I had taken or even thought of was just to be more health conscious from the beginning, um, to not think it was just cute to not care of myself mm-hmm. and, eat pizza at 3 a.m. because, you know, I don't feel like it is, I'm never going to be like, oh, you need to be super buff and stuff like that. But I think it's, a you always need to be aware it's a visual medium. And if you taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, um, you're just going to glow more and shine more. And also you're going to be able to work more and be able to avoid some of the pitfalls of the job, which are late night eating and people drinking all the time. And there's so many, like you I just remember going to these festivals when I was first starting and really seeing the game then, which was like, it was not necessarily about who had the best set Thursday. It was like, who has the best set on Sunday after everybody's drunk and drugged out and not doing anything and not taking care of themselves? Are you still able to actually go out and do the job and um, perform for people instead of getting trapped up and just having a party? And um, that would be really be the only practical advice I can give is to know that it's a business and to treat yourself accordingly and treat yourself as a commodity. Yeah, I think that that's outstanding advice. And I wouldn't have thought to give that, but it has completely changed my career. And every step of the way before I've leveled up, I've been afraid that I was going to lose something. Um, like when I got sober, I was afraid that I wasn't going to be funny anymore because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be loose on stage because I wasn't going to be drinking beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, because the times that I had done comedy sober were times that I did not want to be sober on stage. And I remember just standing there shaking. I remember seeing people looking at my hands because I was shaking like a leaf. Um, and I'm more comfortable on stage now than I ever was. And once I quit drinking, that was when everything started happening for me. That was when I started getting passed at clubs. It was when I was able to move to LA. You know, it's when it's when everything started happening because I was taking it and myself more seriously. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just simple business. Like, yeah. who do you think they're going to put any investment in the person that they think will show up right. or the person who's drunk all the time? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, also, can I interject on one yeah, thing? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, this is... I didn't I, know you had a <laughs> microphone. <laughs> There's one over here, I'm Rod. sorry my levels changed so much. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, this is it's weird to jump in the conversation like 50 minutes in, but... No, come in. But uh, this is JP. I'm the producer over here. This, you know, you can't see me, but... Um, uh, Ron, do you think that there's a value also in surrounding yourself with a good team? Because your manager is one of the the sweetest and like just mm-hmm. best people mm-hmm. in comedy. It's just like a good soul. Because yeah. there's uh, there's the there's the argument that you surround yourself with a bad person so that you can use them as your to kind of be the bully. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the mentality of like have someone that you respect represent you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think I've been just lucky and the fact that that was the you know there maybe been two other people who had been interested in managing me before but they like lived in san francisco or they lived in nevada and i was like well i know that's not good enough (laughs) 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 you don't even live in the place i'm trying to go (laughs) so luckily when um she saw me um, you know, there was some interest in me, but also, you know, I was still super overweight and kind of my material is a little different for some people. And so it, it took someone like her to be like, oh, I see what you're going to be. I see what you're going to be. And she helped me so much. She like has gone above and beyond every major moment in my life. She's been there. You know, she helped pay my rent when I couldn't afford to pay rent when I was still in Oregon. She was there for the first Conan. She was there when I bought my house, bought my first car. She was there when I called a lawyer for my recent separation and divorce. Like she's been there for all of it. And I think that is something that you can't, pay for and you can't and, and, and you're absolutely right like my one of my favorite things is when anyone like goes, like who's your manager and I say her name and then they're like oh love her she's the best she's so cool you know and I think some people do get caught up in like wanting to be around a shark or wanting to be around someone who doesn't I think you gotta be with someone who matches your sensibilities I'm a sweet little weirdo. So I wanted a sweet weirdo to represent me. And she fights as hard for me as any shark or like super masculine manager agent dude. Like she fights just as hard for me as anybody. Um, But I think you're absolutely right. Especially if once you move to LA, it's, whatever you want it to be so if you come down here and you and you around shitty people and they're just drugged out and they're all about celebrity and they're not necessarily about the art like you can go down a dark road and and suddenly la is the worst place you could ever live and it's a horrible place but if you can also find a group of sweet weirdos who care about the art care about comedy care about what they're doing and their passions most of all that's actually one of the greatest compliments i ever received that i remember to this day was like i think it was the second time i did couch on conan and he just leaned over to me and he goes oh i like you because you like comedy because you because of comedy not because of what it can give you he's like i can use i can i meet so many people i can tell people who are just in it because of what they can get out of it he's like you're here because you love it and I and I, to that to this day i was like oh the fact that he could see that in me how much i truly love what I do and love comedy and I'm a fan of it and want to leave it a better place than I found it. Um, those are the type of things you can't buy. And I love that respect and love that love. And you can't, 
so yeah, I think it's utmost important to surround yourself with people who also represent who you are as a person. Because if you just have some asshole, I mean, I have an asshole lawyer, and I just had to be like, you, you know, bro, I can't work with you anymore. You're too jerky about how you do this. I need a deal maker, not a deal breaker, you know? And that's another thing with business is that some many comedians don't want to get into that of it. If they just get a lawyer, if they just get a manager, get an agent, they like, Oh, well, I'm just lucky to have what I have. As soon as I got my first agents, I just looked at the roster and was like, this isn't my home. Mm. I'm passing through. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find a better agent because I know I don't belong here. I belong to see a roster that has, do you represent Mulaney? Do you represent these people? You, you know, that's who I'm trying to be like. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know. And so I think in the business aspect of that, like, be aware of that type of stuff. So many people just worry about their set and they don't think about who are you surrounding yourself with? Who's representing you? Who's the person that's pushing you out? And if they are pushing you out, are they quick to fold if somebody says they don't want to see you? I've had so many places where they go, oh, we don't know him. We don't want to see him. And she's fault for me. It got me an audition. And then I got that role. Yeah. And so you got to have someone that believes in you that much that they will fight for you. Yeah. And um, my... Like my experience was I didn't start out thinking I was going to be a professional comedian. I would have loved it, but I relate to what you shared. We're like, I just loved comedy. I just couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't watch enough of it. I was obsessed with it. When I started doing it, I was staying up until like five in the morning, just working on my jokes because I couldn't stop because I just loved writing. And I was so excited to have realized that I could do this thing to find out that there were open mics in Milwaukee and anybody could go. And, um, and so I guess my piece of advice would be like, think of it as as a hobby and just see where it takes you instead of thinking about like, oh, I could make a million dollars doing this. Mm -hmm. I could get famous. I could become rich. Um, Because I worked at this for 10 years before I was able to quit my day job. And the reason that I was able to stick with it is because I just loved it so much. And I always said I would do this for the rest of my life, even if I never got paid for it, because this is just what makes me feel good. I did it after work, you know, Um, I did it late when I had to wake up early and I just couldn't have stopped if I wanted to. No, I think that's when you know you're supposed to do it for people that even though you said treat it as a hobby, it was a calling for you because it made you feel fulfilled and you would do it to, um, as a treat, you know, when your work was done and all things, you got it as a treat. And I think that's what I tried to maintain even year, you know, after doing it and getting a little successful at it and have to pay my bills with it is one of the reasons why I love being able to act and do voice acting is that it, it allows me these other avenues that I can still treat stand up as a treat that I love it that I enjoy it I don't have to pander because I'm worried about filling some room I don't like I just go and do it because I love it and I care about it I think as long as you maintain that you you win at comedy and if you're able to just maintain your life at a level that you can afford to do comedy in a part-time job or a full-time job or whatever your your life balance you can maintain. I think it's a, it never was like, I need to make a million dollars. It was like, well, if I make 
$25,000 in comedy. That's great. That's fine. And I'll just adjust my life to whatever I can afford so that I can only do this and take care of my family. That was my number one goal. Um, and I think if you don't enjoy day one, you're not going to enjoy like day 1000. You know, you're like, you need to be happy in that moment that you do comedy because it's always the same job. It's always the same job. It never changes. So, someone's going to misspell your name on some mm -hmm. um, yes, billboard. Are. Someone's going to forget that you even do comedy. Someone's going to tell you you're great. Someone's going to tell you you're horrible. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be that, that the day you start to the day that you quit. And so you got to figure out what you enjoy and what you love about it without money, without success, without... Um, accolades and people telling you you know it's just got to be something that you love yeah I love that what should I eat to lose weight and how do I stop eating cookies because I love cookies mm. so much yeah I'm eating a cookie right now oh what flavor I hear chocolate chip you heard chocolate chips mm -hmm. that's what I heard mm. From I, the crunch? I think I projected that yeah but I do think it's rude. Don't tell me you're eating a cookie and not the flavor of the cookie you're at right. the time. That was a disrespectful one, and that's why I didn't want to do this one. But <laughs> <laughs> finishing on a rude call. It's one of my rules. I do a Twitch thing, my Funch Bunch, and they know if they talk about a lunch or a snack, they can't just say, I'm eating lunch. Right. They have to be like, tell me exactly what you're eating so I can live through you. Wow, that's so funny because I prefer that people not mention specific foods. Why? Because I want to eat them. Mm. It makes me hungry. I get that. Um, you mentioned a support group for overeaters mm -hmm. earlier and I also do that. Okay. Well, um, I only went for a couple of weeks and I quit. I've been going for two and a half years. Okay. And it has completely changed my life. Um, and I really love it. And that's the only way that I was able to find to stop eating cookies. And I did stop eating cookies. You don't eat any cookies. I don't eat any cookies. Never I, can't, cookie. I can't. I can't. Wow. I can't, man. I mean, I can, but that just means that I'm going to eat a million of them. No, I get that. That's why really I didn't eat place. any of the Tate's cookies over yeah. there. Because I was like, we opened the, the seal. I know. A pact has been made. I know. I know. We must finish. I will Tasmanian devil up every like bit of flour and I sugar like in the greater you. Los Angeles I area. I hate it when people don't get it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm like, what does it taste like to you? I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Or the thing that I get is people who are just like, well, why don't you just have a couple? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Because my brain works differently yeah. than yours does. Yeah. But I think that's big a part of what you're talking about is being okay with that and not looking at it as like, oh, how come other people can and I can't? And just being like, this is my character sheet. This is how the dice that I rolled and what I got. And um, I'm a big, you know, been into that it was three three sixty five at one point. And um, now I got my little macro plate. Banana nut muffin. There you go. And my my protein shake. I do a lot of intermittent fasting, which I think makes things easier. If you just have a rule of like, I just start eating around 11, stop at around 7.30, drink a lot of protein shakes. I love working out. I think that's a big part of it as yeah. well. Being willing to move your body around. Um, but like 
stop eating cookies. I don't know if I'll ever stop eating cookies 100%. I love a cookie. Yeah. But I definitely eat less cookies for sure. Yeah. Well, and I hear boundaries around your eating. And I also have boundaries around my eating. And something that was so helpful to me as far as what to eat was seeing a dietitian and getting put on a food plan and having someone say, this is how much of each food group I suggest putting in your body because mm-hmm. I never learned that. You know, I was exposed to like, you're either eating it all and you're eating whatever you want oh, yeah. or you're on a diet and you're restricting because you're too fat and you hate yourself. Midwest style. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so, yeah, eating in moderation and making sure that I'm eating satisfying meals has been really helpful to me. Can I ask you for advice? Yeah. Um, when you were doing this stuff, because now that... I go out on dates and stuff. I'm trying to find a way to either A, eat healthy or find non-meal-based dates. Is that something that you know about? You know, that is something that I know about. I um I like going on hikes. I like going to movies. I like going bowling. I like going roller skating. How does movies work? Because you can't talk. Um, sometimes that's nice. I usually save that for like (laughs) a seventh date or a date after the fifth date. Sometimes you have patches where there are those serious conversations. And in my experience, sometimes those don't get resolved in one day. And Mm -hmm. so like, we'll take a break from it at the end of the evening and be like, you know, let's call a moratorium on this, get a good night's sleep and see how we feel about it tomorrow. We might have a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, and then the next day I find that often I'm emotionally exhausted. And so I'm just like, hey, why don't we take it easy on each other? Why don't we go see a movie? Because then we're not talking for a couple of hours. And I think that that can be a really good thing. Um, but as far as like going on dates that aren't food based, I was in a relationship when I joined like the specific group that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. I did the one that you mentioned earlier Um I, I, you know, I did, I did a 12 step program and I was abstinent, but now I'm in a more rigorous part of it where I, I'm cooking all of my own food, mm-hmm. but there are other things to do in this life. Yeah. Try to figure it out. Got a lot of food dates. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then coffee, me between, you know? I don't like coffee. Tea? I like tea. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Sit around, drink a tea. Sit around, have a tea. Tea and a talk. A tea talk and a, talk. And a tea. That's right. Oh, actually, I, yeah. And a, and a walk. I love taking a walk, walks. talk, and tea. Because even if the date isn't for you, mm-hmm. even if it's not a love connection, you mm-hmm. got some steps in. Nothing but that's what that. I like about going to a good dinner place because then I'm like, well, at least I get a good meal. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, then what's stopping you from doing that? I mean, can't you go someplace healthy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been doing it. I'm going to try and do healthier. I'm working on it. It's just, I think I got, when I got sick, you know, sometimes you get sick at the wrong time and you're like, this really threw a wrench in my plans. I went on vacation and then I was like, I'm going to really focus on my diet and get everything ready before I go back on loot on our second season of your favorite TV show. And Right. That's a play, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's a Tony Morrison production. Um, L U T E. Check it out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, there's no healthy cookies, though. I know that. I make healthy pancakes. That's not a cookie. I was really hoping you'd ask me for the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Man, do I love sharing that recipe. Is it oat-based? <laughs> it involves oats. I won't lie to you. <laughs> But I, I add the oats, the original version of the recipe I've tweaked, I believe, to perfection. Mm -hmm. That's my own personal opinion. Um, but the original version of the recipe is one tablespoon peanut butter, one egg, and one banana. Mm. I add oats. Okay. Okay. And I've cinnamon, maple flavor, vanilla banana flavor. Banana pancakes. Salt. They're pretty good. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> You're delightful. Oh, thank you. Same. Well, thank you. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, sure. You can check out my podcast. It's called Getting Better. We just talk about getting better. It's kind of like this in some ways, just but more personally attached to me. Um, so, but if you want to listen to me talk to people who I love and enjoy about getting better at their art and their life, and I think you're going to come by, right? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. And so that'll be fun. Check that out. Um, I'm on a show called Loot on Apple TV. It stars Maya Rudolph and Joe Kim Booster and myself. Um, and it's pretty fun. So people like it. It's like, it's funny. It's a good sitcom. It looks like a movie. So check it out. Um, I think that's a broader that I can think about right now. I'm a new show coming out called Rock, Paper, Scissors on Nickelodeon. But I don't know when it comes out. Um, but check it out. when it Oh, 80 for Brady. Tom Brady's movie. <laughs> I'm in that. Because um, I feel like that could only help me if you do. I don't see how that could hurt me. Okay, great. Um, I have um tour dates coming up you can catch those in my instagram bio at lara bites and thank you so much for listening thanks again ron for being here thank you for having me 